Welcome to the Broken Complex Show. We are bringing you the latest news and stories in the world of video games, covering everything from the big industry companies like Blizzard and Epic to the small companies looking for funding on Kickstarter and everything in between. I'm your host, JPL, and let's get this show started. Well, welcome to the first episode of the Broken Complex Show. I am your host, JPL, and I am here to walk you through some of the biggest stories that's happened in the world of video games in the last week. And there is a ton of stuff that's happened. So we're going to try to cover as much as we can in the next half an hour, but there will always be things that we miss out on. So this show is essentially broken up into four segments. The first segment on this episode, we're going to talk all things Blizzard. And then after that, we are talking Fortnite and Epic Games. We are talking Riot Games. And then we're going to peruse the wonderful world of Kickstarter and see what cool video game projects are out there that I think you guys should be investing in. So let's get this party started, okay? So we can't have a video game show without jumping right into the elephant in the room, which would happen to be Blizzard and their handling of the Hong Kong protest and everything that's happened since then. It has been amazing how this one company has created their own international incident with how they're handling the whole thing. And for those of you who are not aware of what's going on, Here's a quick recap of what's happened. So Blizzard banned uh, Hearthstone player Blitzchunk for his comments about the Hong Kong protests, which were essentially liberate Hong Kong revolution of our age. That was met with so much backlash because the original ban was for him and the casters. It was a year they took away his prize money and a bunch of other stuff. Well, they've now walked that back a little bit and the ban is only for six months. They issued an explanation, which at best didn't do much other than fuel like the anger even more, kind of at first citing that this was about protecting China's dignity, and they had to walk that statement back as well. So there's been a lot of outside protests from, from the gaming community. People were trying to cancel their accounts. Um, there was just a lot of things going on. Now let's fast forward to the other week. Members of the American University Hearthstone group held up a free Hong Kong boycott blizz signed during an official competition screen. Now they knew what they were doing and the move came after Blizzard had created this little incident with uh, Blitzchunk. So everybody was kind of sitting around waiting to see exactly what happened. And at first, nothing happened to the American University team members, which are Casey Chambers, Corin Dark, and then there was a third teammate who goes by the online handle T-Jammer. When it happened, Blizzard immediately cut away from the sign and the casters pretended like nothing happened. But everybody knew that it was only a matter of time before Blizzard finally did something about it. And the sentencing came down on the 16th of October, where the three players have been given a six-month competitive ban, and the same the same one as Blitzchung ended up getting. While Blitzchung was been originally banned for a year, one of the few concessions from Blizzard's open letter to the community on last Friday was retracting that year-long ban. So here's the letter that Chambers got from Blizzard. 
It says, while every voice matters at Blizzard, and we strongly encourage everyone in our community to share their viewpoints in the many places available to express themselves, an official broadcast was not the venue as it needs to be a place where all are welcome. To Blizzard, supporting the protest violates that, a reaction that's perfectly in line with Blizzard's ongoing, politics are fine, just not here mantra. Now, Chambers has no regrets about what has happened. He knew exactly what he was doing. And as a result of all of this, Chambers started playing the game Gods Unchanged, which is a Hearthstone competitor that openly criticized Blizzard after taking action against Blitzchunk. Chambers said that the team behind Gods Unchained reached out to the three players after they took their public stand, saying that they support them and wouldn't have a problem if, in the future, they decided to talk about the Hong Kong protest in public. As if this story couldn't be any more of a headache for Blizzard, they also announced that they are going to be postponing the 15th anniversary World of Warcraft event that was supposed to take place in Taiwan. The event was originally scheduled for the weekend of the 19th and 20th, but it is going to be held at a later date, which has not been specified yet. Uh, Blizzard did not give a reason for canceling the event. And since posting this, uh, the Taiwanese World of Warcraft Facebook page has been inundated with pro-democracy protests for Hong Kong. The response that is likely to influence the event's cancellation. But wait, this isn't the only thing that they've canceled. They also canceled their Overwatch on Nintendo Switch launch event that was supposed to be held October 16th at Nintendo's New York City store. So in protest to all of this, players and fans have begun boycotting Blizzard products and others have started organizing protests for next month's BlizzCon, the company's annual convention in Anaheim, California. I don't know about you, but I'm excited to see what happens at BlizzCon because everybody's buzzing And it'll be interesting to see what goes on. So now let's move on to something else. Let's talk Fortnite. Now we all are following people on Twitter and hitting up their DMs for news, extra information, leaked information, and whatnot. But something happened a few months ago that turned out to be incredibly weird. We've all seen the post that happens where it's like, hey, I've got the new map for insert whatever random game right now the original story is that the new map was given by a friend who was an epic employee and that's the intro to every fake leak story so nobody paid much attention to it and the image was downvoted and reposted and deleted by some twitter users who tried to take credit for making it Um, But it seems likely that Epic was probably behind the scenes getting the image removed so it didn't stay up long enough because, drumroll please, the map was real. Part of the reason why the map was dismissed was because it was desaturated and it didn't match anything on the current style. But it's true, the final version of this map looks a lot more colorful and rich than the leaked version, yet the leaked version is very much legitimate. That said, everyone was right to be suspicious. This was not a leak pulled from some hidden data file in the game. Uh, It had been from an elaborate fan art project masquerading as leaks in the past. It also went up just a few days after data miners pulled the names of new locations from the back end. So it seemed possible that a person had just grabbed those names and slapped them onto a new map. And yet here we are. 
the person wasn't lying. It seems like they really did have a friend at Epic who gave them the image. A friend that could have ended up getting in a lot of trouble for we all know how Epic is about information. But Epic and the community did its job and successfully buried this link and pretended like it wasn't real. So it kind of just goes to show you, yes, 99 out of 100 times, it is complete BS. But there is that one time and it has now happened and we have all missed out on the one time that the, hey, I've got a leaked map or, hey, I've got this information, then we don't necessarily believe is real, turned out to be real. So just some food for thought there. I thought the story was absolutely hilarious when I read it. So I thought that that would be a nice, lighthearted way to segue into Fortnite. So in Fortnite, we all know that everybody kind of does the Battle Royale, which is a lot of fun. But there is also the save the world option, and it's the less competitive, survival-focused co-op side. So despite not getting an update with its Battle Royale Chapter 2 patch, Epic hasn't forgotten the save the world. It has just released a new roadmap to let fans know what's coming. The roadmap gives players the specifics on the save the world's next several patches. The mode is getting a few Halloween-themed updates, including Fort Nightmares, at the end of October and into November, but the roadmap's biggest focus is on what's to come after this current run of Save the World patches. After patch V11.10S's second content update, which is scheduled for November 12th, the game is getting a pretty big update, which includes its toughest boss yet, the Storm King. Now, the Storm King is going to be a new mythic boss fight, which will be the most difficult thing yet in Save the World. Once players best the Storm Kings, they'll gain access to his mythic weapon. Epic also mentioned it's planning to release content a little less often for Save the World, but it makes the updates themselves more sustainable. The roadmap changes will start rolling out this coming week and will continue throughout the next several months with the release of the Storm King. So for all of you guys who are not into Battle Royale, there is something for you. Save the World's got some updates coming up and I'm very excited. Let us know what you think about the updates. Um, I'm not sure which side of like the coin you fall on, but if you're enjoying the new Battle Royale updates or if you're waiting for the Save the World updates, let us know. We want to hear from you. And with that, speaking of which, um, the Broken Complex does have an email address. You can email us and let us know some show thoughts. Let us know what stories we should be covering. And we are going to be doing a segment on really cool things you should find on Kickstarter and support as far as video games. And if you have a Kickstarter project, let us know about it. We want to promote you guys out there. Now, let's move on to something that I don't think a lot of people spend a lot of time thinking about video game music. And this is a really cool story that I found. So BBC's Radio 3 is launching a new weekly program dedicated to video game soundtracks. It's going to start October 26th, and it's going to be an hour-long show presented by composer Jessica Curry, who won a BAFTA for her work in the UK studio The Chinese Room and created and presented Classic FM's video game music program High Score. So how did this project get started? Well, 
Tom Service and his producer, Brian Jackson, came into Chinese Room to interview Jessica Curry. And Tom's an avid gamer. And there was definitely a feeling of excitement about the gaming scene and the music that's being composed for games. And a lot of people think that it's all battle music and aggression. And this show is going to prove that it couldn't be further from the truth. Video game music has undergone a boom in interest and appreciation over the past five years. And as an art form has grown and mature. The Distant Worlds concert, which featured compositions from Japanese role-playing game Final Fantasy, has been touring the world for more than a decade, while video game-themed symphony concerts devoted to the games such as Legend of Zelda, Mass Effect, and Halo have taken place in the world's major classical venues, including Royal Albert Hall in London, the Sydney Opera House, and a new market for vinyl video game soundtrack albums has also grown with specialist label IM8-Bit and Datadisc providing lavishly packaged records for new and retro games. For fans, the appeal of the music is often nostalgic, relating to their love of the games. Curry's love for video game music definitely comes out in this interview where she says, uh, I believe that we're entering a golden age of game music. The sheer breadth of soundtracks this year has been mind-blowing and the quality and diversity of game music is on the rise. And she talks about some of the projects that she really loves. But one of the things that really stuck out was comparing video game music to film scores. And she says, unlike film scores, which are linear and require specific sequences and specific moments, game soundtracks are more open and offer greater compositional space. Speaking with the The Guardian last year, composer Winfred Phillips said, games are structured so that there's long expanses where there's no dialogue. And the music that you create for those sequences, you have an opportunity to really develop musical ideas. Curry also points out that music needs to be able to fill long periods of time while the players are exploring their own space. And this could be more ambient and unintrusive, making it perfect to listen to while you're trying to unwind or do other things. She cites Todd Baker's music for Monument Valley as one of those great scores that you listen to when you're stressed out and you need to chill out. As far as the show is concerned, the format's going to be very interesting. So she says the program's going to seek to showcase a variety in medium as well as explore how game scores are written. Each week they'll play a classic track, one which they felt stood the test of time, as well as a new release and an interview with the game's composer lifting the lid on what it takes to write the music for games. And for the rest of the show, it'll be unabashedly partisan and play tracks that they absolutely love. As far as the future of video game music, Curry sees the medium evolving further as its profile increases. More bands will write music for games, and with the increase in tours and performances of their work, game composers are going to become stars in their own right. Now, The Sound of Gaming will be a recurring four-part series running from Saturday, October 26th, from 3 to 4 p.m., now we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk Riot Games and some really cool stuff that we found on Kickstarter. 